This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com. And here with me uh, in the uh, throes of, I'm sure, just absolute uh, excitement from uh, this weekend's result uh, is fellow contributor Akshaz Dividula. Akshaz, how we doing, man? We're doing great, Robert. You know, I was just thinking last, with the exception of the Cowboys' like domination and the Eagles managing to sneak one away from the Patriots, Sunday was probably just the best day of football ever. <laughs> the Seahawks got walloped by the Rams. The Niners dominated. It was a great, great day. Almost perfect, but indeed, you know, we, take, we take them as they come. Yeah, indeed. Um, the, we could we could probably talk a lot about all the other things that went on, um, and you know maybe they'll maybe things will kind of slip through the uh, through the end of the conversation. But uh, obviously, our main focus is the 49ers uh, pretty much dominating the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh to open up the 2023 regular season. It's a 30 to seven victory. 49ers scored in all four quarters, you know, thanks to a, a fourth quarter field goal um, to uh, kind of flesh that out. Uh, the Steelers um, did not score very frequently and, in fact, really just scored on a sort of end of the first half desperation drive that uh, was fueled by a, a little help from from their friends. And we, can, well, I'm sure we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later. But um, it was just you know, I, I think a beginning to end kind of dominant performance from the 49ers who um, who were only favored by two and a half points and ended up winning by 23 points. So that's quite a big difference. Um, for those of you who are uh, in the betting market, the over under was 40 and a half. And of course, that hit under because the Steelers uh, did nothing. So <laughs> so my apologies to uh, to that. Lots of. Uh, of good things to to look at. The 49ers ran the ball well. They threw the ball effectively. Obviously, once the game was kind of well in hand, um, really about a minute into the into the third quarter, when when it was pretty much all but done and dusted. Um, at that point, they they just kind of went into to to kill the clock mode for the rest of the half, which is just an amazing thing to be able to do. And uh, frankly, I don't know about you, Akshaz, but something I'm in, definitely in favor of them doing quite frequently throughout this season. Oh, yeah. I mean, part of me, I will say, part of me always loves it when I can look at a box score and a 49ers QB has like 350 yards passing, like four touchdowns, because, you know, I think a lot of like joy comes from those pass explosives, but nothing wrong with just absolute domination up front near the fourth quarter or watching a football game for me having writing the post-game grades i can take out my computer and comfortably write out 49ers <laughs> win over the steelers it's a it's a great feeling and a, a bit like 
of a letdown at times because you know the game feels like it's taking too long. Right. Like you kind of want you want it to just wrap up and not let any shenanigans ensue. But indeed, uh, a great feeling. Yeah, for sure. Um, so lots of numbers we could throw out, and I'm sure we'll get into uh, several of them. But uh, Brock Purdy, of course, started and finished the game for the 49ers. Looked. I think definitely at least solid and probably a little more than solid in his return uh, to the lineup after his uh, his uh, elbow surgery in the offseason. Um, Christian McCaffrey had a great game. Brandon Ayuk had a great game. And we'll get into all those numbers later on. Um, you know, I, I think it's pretty safe to say all three phases of the game were working, right? The offense was humming. Um, I would, I, I, in fact, the I, after the first drive, I, I kind of was like, did, did, did that just look as easy as it as I thought it did? Because it, it looked like it wasn't that hard. Um, and that was uh, that was kind of crazy. Um, and then, uh, you know, the the defense was was running around all over the place. Um, you can certainly see, I, I think, some some minor differences in the way that, that Steve Wilkes is going to uh, coordinate this defense uh, as compared to his predecessor. Um, and then also, you know, solid special teams, not only, uh, Jake Moody showing up and hitting all three of his field goals and all three of his extra points. Um, but also, uh, pretty good punting. I thought, um, Mitch Wisnowski had a, had a fantastic game, just pinning the, uh, the, the Steelers deep. He, uh, had a, a 44.7 yards per punt average. And that doesn't really tell you about all about the fact that I think all three of those ended inside the 10, um, if I recall correctly. Uh, and then uh, Ray Ray McLeod was excellent in his return to the to the field as a punt returner, uh, averaging 13.7 yards per return. So all three phases, that's what you like to see. Um, and then I'll just say one more thing to kind of start the start the uh, the conversation. And that was the funniest graphic of the weekend uh, for me, which was when they showed at one point, I believe, early in the second quarter when the yard total was one hundred and ninety nine to one, which made me giggle. Oh, yeah. That was, I mean, so rarely in football do you see a team, like, actually dominate. Like, we say dominate a lot of times, but with the exception of, like, one and a half drives, the Steelers' offense had nothing. And with the exception of one and a half drives, the Steelers' defense had nothing. I mean, this is the type of game where 30-7 to seems like the grossest understatement (laughs) of just how dominant the 49ers were. And, I mean, there's just so much to point out. You mentioned Brock Purdy. I thought, like, the 220 yards is not really indicative of how well he was throwing the ball. He was slinging it out there, which is obviously a good thing. And I think the most telling thing and the thing I loved the most when it was all said and done, near the end of the game, when you could just hear the Let's Go Niners chant (laughs) in Akershire Stadium, just exceptional all around yeah i gotta say the uh one of the the definite uh negatives of of living away from the the uh the the place where i can watch the games in the comfort of my own home because i opted not to give youtube my money this year um is i have to go watch it in a place where i'm surrounded by a bunch of tvs and so i i miss out on some of that that's that's a blessing and a curse because apparently people were getting annoyed by daryl johnson and his um not understanding why the Steelers were so bad. Um, but also I missed out on, on the, the, uh, the chance at, uh, 
it's uh at uh, levi's east coast edition so there you go these are the things that you win some you lose some i guess i think you won overall because i'm not gonna uh, this i'm gonna cap myself at 30 seconds on this but i really <laughs> hate the fact that daryl johnson will be on the call for 49ers games nothing against him but he's like a very old school type color commentator and that means to me that he doesn't really add a lot to the game about what's going on. He's just talking about kind of the vibes and energy. And like when I'm watching the game, I'm like, I get that. Like I can tell that like Christian McCaffrey is good at football. He just had what? a 20 yard run. <laughs> can you may, I would like to know how did that happen? Was there a good block? Like what happened here? Like the Brandon Ayuk, um, Christian McCaffrey run where Brandon Ayuk is sprinting down the mm-hmm. field. It's like, okay, but like, I get it. It's awesome that like a wide receiver is making this block. I can see that. Please tell me like, was like, what, how did he spring loose? What did he do? What happened here? I don't know. I get <laughs> it, it's It's not fun. Cause I think they're always the Fox team on Niners games, unless the Niners get the game of the week. Lock right. in. It's usually, the moose. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. I'll be looking forward to, to games when, when I can watch it from the comfort of my own home for obvious reasons. Um, so I don't know uh, what other things in sort of setting this up. Um, we're going to get into some specifics about uh, uh, about the game um, in just a moment. Um, let's go right before we get into the the uh, the one up one down section. We'll talk injuries, and I'm happy to report that there were no major injuries to speak of. Um, Trent Williams came out of the out of the game, I think, for just one play. I don't even remember what it was. I want to say like the third quarter. Um, it looked a little awkward, like he he twisted an ankle or something. Came off for one play and then he came back out and everything was fine. Um, so I'm not really sure what the nature of that was. Uh, the only information I think I heard about it was um, somebody, I think it was on the 49ers talk podcast with Matt Mayoka and Jennifer Lee Chan and Jennifer said that he told her that he was fine. And that was sort of the end of the conversation. Um, that would be a, a, a key player to have on the team. So nice to see. And the only other thing that I heard about was I believe Ambry Thomas got pulled uh, by the, the independent um uh, observer person the spotter the concussion person thought he was kind of looking a little wobbly out there in the field and um told him to pull uh thomas out and he passed uh through the concussion protocol and was able to go back in the game and so everything's good he as far as i know is not in any further concussion uh protocol at this moment so it seems like uh everybody's good uh i know i know there was some concern that wishnowski came up hobbled at one point uh, off one of his punts, but I don't, I don't think that there was any issues there. Um, so, I mean, at least after one week, it's good to know that, that the 49ers were as healthy as they could be coming in and continue to be uh, with uh, heading into week two. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing you can really ask for because I mean, that's, that's everything, right? Like winning week one is important. It sets them on a great path forward, but equally important that you gotta that you gotta stay healthy and keep on going throughout the year. I mean, we can talk like about Aaron Rodgers' torn Achilles for the Jets and just boom, 
like fluke injury, but that's that's their season right there. The yep. Niners have had too many moments where the season gets derailed before it starts because of injuries. So absolutely, I think the best news of Sunday's game was that Shanahan said Ambry was in the protocol, but he got cleared. Yeah, especially because he uh, proved to be the a big part of this defense, right? Um, he he kind of stepped into that role that we anticipated that he would, right? Um, where Diamondo Lenore and Charvarius Ward were technically the starters in the outside, but uh, Lenore slid in as the nickel cornerback, and in came uh, Ambry Thomas as like the the second outside uh, cornerback in those situations. I did see a fair amount of Isaiah Oliver. He didn't stand out to me for any terribly negative reasons, but I may have missed something. Um, but it did look like he was the, the the sort of dime package cornerback out there from time to time, too. So it was interesting. It'd be interesting to look at how those kind of snaps were divided and how that worked out. But um, I think it all held up pretty well. So with that in mind, let's uh, let's transition into the the uh, one up, one down. So for those of you who may be just joining us uh, on the podcast, well, first of all, welcome to, to the Niner Noise podcast. We're glad to have you um but we've been doing uh, this for for pretty much the entirety of the existence of the pod um by way of responding to the game um and recapping the game we'll, we'll we'll talk about one thing we liked and one thing that we didn't really like um we like this type of game better than other types of games because there's there's not a whole lot of negatives to talk about um but uh Akshaz, i'll start with you we'll start with uh what's one thing that you liked about this game I mean, there are a trillion things to mention. <laughs> right, I know, too too hard, right? <laughs> but I'm going to go out and select Brandon Nayuk, I think. It's not just that he got eight receptions, 129 yards, two touchdowns on eight targets. Basically a perfect game. It's not that he had the incredible block to spring Christian McCaffrey. It's that this seemed like, this final step that Ayuk needed to take. And what I mean by that is all the, like every year in training camp, after Ayuk got out of the doghouse of Shanahan, he's had the, he's had the ability to like take a step forward. He's taken that next step. He's gotten a little better. And we get to the regular season and there might be a drop or two where he might not be focused enough in the offense it just feels like he's missing that final piece. But, I mean, he was absolutely an elite wide receiver one option on Sunday. And I think he has the best chance to be that guy. If he's not already that guy, he could be that guy. Like, Ayuk is the type of player who can, um, who can change a game because, unlike McCaffrey, who's like an elite route runner at at running back and does so many positional things. Same with Debo, who can run with the best of them as a wide receiver. Or Kittle, like physical freaks with the ball in their hands. Ayuk can beat any corner off the line and win any matchup. So I think that's why it's such a good sign for him to have taken that next step. I mean, you saw him win in all sorts of ways. The two highlights against Pat Pete, of course, Patrick Peterson. <laughs> first one on the touchdowns. First one just using his feet, absolutely snapping him off at the point of attack, and then cutting inside just destroys Peterson. And the second one on a simple back shoulder fade doesn't give any tells about when the ball's coming. Calmly turns around, and Purdy makes an unbelievable throw. But Ayuk 
snags it like with Peterson draped all over him. And it's not even a doubt. I think that's the biggest thing with Ayuk is last year, you would never be sure he would catch the ball, even no matter how open he was. But if he's gotten rid of that, if that's no longer a concern, then I think his ascension has come just in time for his hefty payday. <laughs> well, but he's like his progression along with Purdy, like being healthy and continuing his play, his progression makes the difference. His progression is what unlocks this offense to its final level because now there's no easy way to stop him. You don't have like the, well, if we play tight man across the board and double Kittle and send pressure, we'll get there because you can, you can beat that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's all right. I think I, I saw somewhere I was trying to, to remember what the exact numbers were, but the, the 49ers were actually pretty low on their separation numbers uh, on Sunday, um, which is, pretty rare for a Shanahan team because that's usually something that he's able to sort of scheme open. But I, I think that says something about the quality of the defense that they were playing, right? They, they couldn't, the separation numbers were not as fantastic as they often are because the, the quality of the, I think the defensive backs uh, for uh, Pittsburgh are, are pretty good. Um, but the fact that they were able to, to make the passing game go, and that's a trip, uh, you know, tribute to, to Purdy and how well he played, but as you said, Ayuk was just just fantastic. He got himself open when he needed to. Um, just just the the sheer audacity of being able to not only catch that 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 back shoulder or that front shoulder fade, and then to not only catch the ball but to get both like soles of both of his feet down, like not just like a toe tap, like both of his feet hit completely in bounds. With that much space, just the the body control to be able to do that was was really impressive. And the fact that Patrick Peterson was like, "Yeah, he was definitely out. I'm 100 sure of it." And then you look at the replay; and it's like it wasn't even close, dude. Like his feet were solidly in bounds. Good try, I guess. Like, got to do something in that moment. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm all on board for the the Brandon Ayuk hype train uh, this season. Obviously, he went over a thousand yards for the first time. Um, Last year, uh, on on his last reception of the season, which was of the regular season, which was nice. Um, I think the Niners are now two years running with a thousand yard receiver. Feels like that hasn't happened in a in a in a row uh, in a long time. And I think that what's three and four years, I think uh, that would be with Kittle the two years two years before that. I think I don't recall right off the top of my head. I don't believe they had one in uh, twenty one, um, but uh, it's. It's good to see, and and you like to see the fact that, as you said, it's going to, if he is that guy, if he's like a bona fide star at wide receiver, and you have a bona fide star at the running back, and you have a bona fide star at tight end, and you have somebody who also is a pretty bona fide star in and of himself with Debo Samuel, and then, you know, whatever the other guys that can provide in other spaces, um, even if it's just those four guys, it feels like it's going to be enough, because clearly... On Sunday, that was pretty much the offense was uh, was Kittle, Ayuk, Samuel, and McCaffrey. And if that's it, then it might be uh, formidable, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so for me, I'm going to cheat just a little bit, and I'm going to go with the defensive line um, across the board. Um, I was going to uh, highlight Drake Jackson, obviously, who finished. Um, I believe he has already surpassed his sack total for his rookie year or met it. I, I think it's met it. I think he had three last year and now is three. 
in one game, which is good to know. Uh, I think he probably benefited from the uh, the fact that uh, the Nick Bosa was back more than anybody uh, else on that field in a lot of ways. Uh, the fact that Bosa was being, you know, paid extra special attention to when he was on the field and, you know, Drake Jackson gets to reap the benefits of it. But I think the other part of that and the part that might not kind of show up in the box score um, is the presence of Javon Hargrave, who just the fact that he was there, um, he did end up with a, with a one sack and and a couple of uh, and three tackles, including one for loss as well. Um, but his presence next to Eric Armstead, next to Nick Bosa, was just too much for for the Steelers' offensive line, which just, you know is probably not as good as it is often. I mean, that's one of the the, the hallmarks of of Mike Tomlin's Steelers team has been a quality of their offensive line. And I don't think it, this group is as solid as, as they've had in years past, but um, you know, Bosa didn't show up on the, on the, 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 the box score too much. He ended up with the, just a couple of tackles uh, and one quarterback hit. But you know, the fact that Drake Jackson had three and Hargrave had one and Kerry Hyder had an additional sack, five sacks of uh, Kenny Pickett on the day, um, he did not look comfortable uh, at all throughout most of the game. Um, he ends up with more yards than Brock Purdy, but that is by merit of the fact that he threw the ball 46 times. Um, by comparison, Purdy just threw it 29 times and just only had 12 yards less than than Pickett did. And so I think that's a testament to the pressure that they got um, on on Pickett through most of the day. Um, and then you look at, at at the rushing numbers too. The Steelers only ran for less than 50 yards. Um, uh, on the on the on the day, um, actually 41 total yards. Sorry, 10 10 carries for 41 yards. Some of that is game situation, right? They were down 17 pretty quickly, um, and they just kind of had to turn it into a throwing uh, competition, and that didn't work out very well because when you can pin your ears back with a defensive line like this, it's usually going to go well for the defensive line. So, um, I I'm not I'm not here to say that the edge rusher situation be past Nick Bosa has been solved. Um, but I think between Cleland Farrell, who also played pretty well as the sort of base down defensive end and Drake Jackson, it seems like they're in pretty good shape, especially with those other three guys kind of manning the middle and the other side of the line. Um, that, so I'm going to highlight the defensive line for sure. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's like, I'll, um, I'll kind of add on to that, that I think the biggest surprise to me was Javon Hargrave. Because he, um, not because like he played poorly, but he played really well. But he played really well, like on the margins, which I really enjoyed. I thought that was super cool that just he ended up with, I think, five pressures per pro football focus. But beyond that, it was just a constant interior pressure between him and Armstead from Bosa from the other side and it allows Jackson to clean up and allows Farrell to clean up. But that's exactly what the Niners wanted when they signed him is to get that constant pressure, make quarterbacks uncomfortable. And you could tell Kenny Pickett was uncomfortable. So <laughs> pretty much I from mean, the get go. You know, there's the golden standard for 49ers pass rush is going to be 2019 under Shanahan and Lynch, because that defensive line had exactly what you wanted in its top four. You had the technician in Bosa. You had two defensive tackles who were elite in their own ways in Armstead and Buckner. Buckner being the more, I think, imposing force, but Armstead being able to kind of slide around. And then you had a speed guy in D Ford who could either win immediately or clean up after the fact. And I don't know if we're there yet, but we can be. I think Bosa is obviously better than he was his rookie year. I think Armstead is playing as well as he did in 2019, at least from early indications. Hargrave and Buckner is a comparison that I don't really have the emotional willpower to <laughs> go through. And I, I wouldn't be able to tell you who's better, but I think you're getting a similar impact out of either out of Hargrave. And then it's all about Drake Jackson. And, you know, were his sacks him, like, dominating off the edge and immediately beating the left tackle and getting to Kenny Pickett? No. Do they still count all the same? Yeah. And, I mean, that's his role, taking on single one-on-one blocking opportunities because of the amount of talent around him. You just go, you beat your guy, and you take care of business when quarterbacks are funneled towards you. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a nice development on the fly. He gets a chance to learn by going one-on-one against these offensive linemen and just continuing to take care of business when the other defensive linemen do their jobs. Yeah, I mean, that's all he has to do. He doesn't necessarily – I mean, it would be great if he was also a top-notch um, elite player – but if he's good enough, okay, I mean, because we've, we've seen situations where the player on the other side of the other edge has not been good enough to generate anything. And so it puts a lot of pressure on on Bosa to, to do the work on his own. Um, and obviously he wasn't 100 percent there. It didn't didn't. Pl- I think he what was he like little over like in the 60 percent of the snaps range, I think, is what it ended up being. Some of that was because at the end of the game, the game was out of hand and they were able to kind of rest him. And some of that was also because early in the game, they had five straight three and outs Pittsburgh did. And so he was able to, I mean, that's only what 15 plays in the first, the first five possessions. That'll help, right? That'll get out, get you off the field and you'll be feeling pretty good by the fourth quarter in that particular case. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that, how that plays out in the long run. But, um, I think if, if Jackson and, and Cleveland Farrell and whoever else it is that they run out opposite him, 
Um, if you take advantage of the opportunities, then I think you're going to be in a pretty good uh, position. So, um, all right. Um, on to the 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 not so good. We'll we'll just call it the not so good this time, um, because it's week one. Of course, there are going to be things to to continue to clean up and to work on. So, uh, Akshaz, what, what what you got for that? So, I think there are two very ob- three very obvious options, and I'm not going to take the offensive line. I'll leave that to you, Robert, if that's what you're leaning towards. <laughs> if not, then that's one of the options, I guess. I'm going to talk <laughs> about. I'm going to talk about special teams. I thought special teams did a lot of really good, like a lot of really good. I'm not trying to say they didn't, but one thing that I found really disappointing was kickoff coverage, and I yeah. think it's disappointing because the Niners have struggled with this for like two years in a row now. And you'd think they'd have changed something. And maybe the point is that Moody is the guy who will change it. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're saying, but I don't know if that's the case. The issue is that if the ball isn't going out the back of the end zone, it feels like every team is like one block away from breaking free, which isn't okay. That's just a huge issue for your special teams. And it's field position. Luckily, the Niners took care of it, obviously, because their defense was playing so well. But you're not always going to have perfect games from the other two sides of the ball. So my hope is Jake Moody is the one who's going to kind of take care of it. But I don't know for sure. I don't know how much you can uh, guarantee. Yeah, I think that's definitely in the conversation. I mean, I know when they drafted him, that was the big thing is that his leg is strong enough and he should be able to handle the kickoff duties. Um, Wisnowski was very hit or miss with that. He had a couple that went out of the back of the end zone touchbacks, but and then, then the ones that he didn't, you were correct in noting that they took a bit, the Steelers took advantage of those um, situations. And obviously the Niners defense was able to step up and 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 hold them under control. It's interesting that the one drive that they scored on wasn't was on a completely different situation, right? It was actually on one of the better special teams plays. I think that was the uh, one where basically was it Sam Womack who basically like caught it in the air, um, which was just the, the punt in the air. It was just a fantastic um, play. It might have been Womack. I don't remember specifically actually off the top of my head, but um, it looked like sometimes that Wisnowski was just like play, playing catch with his <laughs> with his gunners on the punts. But I'm right there with you. That is it's still f- infuriating. I don't get it. It's frustrating. But hopefully, as you say, if 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 the plan was to kind of roll Jake Moody into the the role, you know, slowly um let him get let him worry about the field goals for for this week and maybe over time he'll take over kickoff duties and then hopefully that will be something that we don't have to think about anymore um i'm all for that um i was not going to mention the offensive line because i thought by and large they were pretty good um save for obviously colton mckivitz who got introduced to being a starter in the nfl um with a real bummer (laughs) type of situation right um it's it's concerning, but also not like it, he's not going to he's not going to run into TJ Watt every week. Um, and so you have to think or you have to hope that this is going to be an improvement situation that he you know learns from the experience. Um, the sacks certainly didn't look good, especially the the one that, that Watt got the strip sack on. Um, I mean, McKivitz just got beat for speed um, and and it's 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 not ideal, but. 
um, he's going to have to improve, right? Because the that's what opposing teams are going to do with their best pass rushers is they're going to be like, why would we put him on Trent Williams? That's a stupid idea. We'll just put him over on the other side. And so it's going to be Hoove McKivitz to, uh, to improve in that area. Um, I don't know if you saw this. Um, is it Leal Le- Le- Collins? Is that how you pronounce the, the, the name of the now former Bengals offensive lineman? Am I, do, you know, do you know what I'm talking about, Akshas? Yeah, Lyle uh, Collins. Yep. Yeah, he got he yep. got uh, released off. They, he was on their pup list. Um, he tore his ACL in week 16 um, of last year, so he's not ready to play. But he is a free agent and could be somebody that the 49ers could sign and stash. Um, I don't know exactly sure how that would work um, from an injured list perspective, um, but. It's interesting. Um, I don't know if he's an immediate improvement because he can't play immediately. Um, And I'm not sure that the 49ers would be like in a real hurry to be like, oh, sorry, we made a mistake with this McKivitz thing. Um, But it is something interesting to kind of pay attention to and see if that's a guy that they might be. uh, They might think at least is is an improvement over like Jalen Moore, Matt Pryor as their their backup guys. Yeah, I you know I saw that same news and I was um I was very interested in it, but I just don't see them making that move. I think Collins first of all is rehabbing an ACL, so right. you gotta you gotta give him some time. But more importantly, it's just a question of are they going to um really move off McKivitz? I don't see it happening. But yeah, I mean McKivitz didn't play super well he was okay and okay wasn't good enough Mm -hmm. but i think the real issue is just just that you know you're right that they're not going to face tj watt every week but when games matter they are going to be facing tj watts they're going to be facing the michael parsons hassan reddicks and he's going to need to shore up so Mm -hmm. That's kind of the the issue, I think, at right. hand. Is just, is he going to be able to um, shore up against these elite rushers? There's no guarantee, and I think it's silly at times to assume that, you know, teams are going to have dominant offensive linemen everywhere. That's just not true. <laughs> right. But, you know, there's a little concern, I think, just because some of his losses were bad. They mm-hmm. were not good. And I think that was the concern. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely with you. Um, and again, some of it is first NFL start. Um, some of it is opponent. Um, so like you said, you just have to hope that he's going to shore it up over time that as, as he gets more reps and, and such that improvement will happen. Um, so that when those times come, when it's, you know, the Eagles or the, or the Cowboys or those other better d- defensive teams where um, he's going to be up against uh, top-notch pass rushers that he'll be able to to kind of figure that out. Um, the, the thing I was actually going to mention was the, the penalties. Um, from a 49ers perspective, they had 11 penalties for 85 yards uh, that were accepted. Some of that is, you know, week one, like clearly we're not, all the cohesion things are not, there like one of them was a delay a game on the first extra point um the, after the first touchdown which jake moody uh uh I, I read 
earlier today, he was like, um, so I thought, <laughs> so Moody thought that, that everybody was kind of standing there because the referees were going to call something. But in fact, they were actually waiting for Moody to get, to get ready. And so everybody was, nobody really like took the initiative and be like, Hey, let's line up and get moving. Um, and I'm not really sure that was a weird situation. Um, you made the extra point anyway, it was fine. Um, the two, uh, obviously biggest penalties were the Diamador Lenore, um, uh, unnecessary roughness, uh, penalty, the personal foul, um, on Najee Harris on the, the long drive that it, that the, that the Steelers ended up scoring on. Um, and then I believe it was, I'm trying to remember who, do you remember who the holding penalty was on the same, at the end of that same drive? Cause I'm blanking. Um, it was, oh, the illegal contact. Yeah. Mean? The illegal contact uh, was, was Lenore as well. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, that's, 19 yards worth of penalty <laughs> of the uh, of the 85 there because um, it was 15 yards for the, the un- unnecessary roughness and then four for the illegal contact that led to a touchdown. Um, the only one of the day for the Steelers. I think most of the other penalties were, you know, kind of legal procedure stuff. So easy kind of clean up things. Um, I don't remember any other like major. I think there was a holding penalty um, on uh, on one of the. Uh, offensive plays. Um, apparently they called an offensive face mask on Spencer Burford in the third quarter, which I don't recall. Um, again, some of these things I missed because I don't have sound when I'm watching the game, but um, yeah, I mean, just, just cleaning, cleaning things up is, is really going to be the big uh, thing to pay attention to. And I, I like the penalties in and of themselves didn't prove to be problematic at all. But as you say, with the same problem with the offensive line, like in a game where that might be closer uh, against a team that may be better. We don't know whether or not the Steelers are going to be good or, or bad or mediocre or whatnot at this point. But if it's a, you know, a, a game against a, a team like the Eagles or the, or the, the Cowboys or if the Bengals end up actually being good as opposed to the, whatever it is that they, they did on Sunday, um, they're going to have to play a much cleaner game. And so that's just something to put on the radar that I went, I didn't really like that very much. I agree. I, I mean, I'm going to chalk it up to week one, and that's a bit of hope that, you know, they were a little rusty and not really at 100%. But I think there were some real concerns because penalties kind of did derail them in critical spots. You mentioned the defensive drive, but there was offensive penalties on the drive right before that basically took the Niners out of field goal range, out of the chance to be in, like, potentially scoring another touchdown. And Again, you know, we like nitpick these things because they won by 23 and dominated. So we can nitpick and not say anything. But, um, you know, at the same time, it could be a concern against better teams. And that's always the concern is even if they like play fine now, it'll still, you're always concerned that against another team in a different game, what if it costs them a win? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. um, So that that drive that you were talking about, uh, Jake Brendel had a false start on third on what was already third and 10 um, that led to a a third and 15 that they could they didn't end up having a field goal attempt on that. Wisnowski had a punt. Um, So certainly things to to clean up on. um, and, And I think some of it will be things that they can they can they can certainly clean up others. It's just like 
hey, get your get your head in the game and, and get moving. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, I Overall, obviously very pleased with the outcome of the game. And um, I, I think we talked about this in the preview that it was really important that they get off to a good start. And I don't think I think while we both anticipated that they would probably win because they were the better team, I, I don't think we had this in mind. Um, coming into this, I'm certainly pleased that this is the way it was because it was a nice, easy breezy game to watch. Never really felt that concerned about it after the first quarter. It's just like, oh, okay, we're all good. Um, and uh, it was nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think so. I think the one quick thing because I wanted to add this, but it's just I also was a little concerned about cornerback play outside of Moody Ward. Not, like, really concerned. Again, like, nothing is really that concerning. But, you know, Lenore and Thomas didn't have the best of games. They didn't have the worst of games, but it was, like, fine. It was okay. They didn't really get challenged. But, you know, that one drive, that was a lot of negative. Mm-hmm. So it kind of sticks in your mind. But not a huge deal. I will say, and this is a little... Spoiler preview for our preview of the Rams game. <laughs> the Rams offense is really clicking, so they'll probably be stressed a lot more next week. Yeah, watch out for whatever their names are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, we'll 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 get into that uh, later in the week when we get into the the preview of the Rams game. Obviously, the Rams beat the Seahawks thirty to thirteen in Week One. You know. Rams went into Seattle and beat them. Um, of course, it's week one. Weird things happen in week one. And you also have to ask a lot of questions about what does does such and such a team losing tell us more about the the team that lost to the team that won. You know, there's always those questions very early in the season um, and maybe questions that we'll revisit and maybe questions that we won't. But we'll see how this goes, how those things go. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's it. Week one. Niners are are one and zero, just as I predicted, just as we both predicted. Um, not as close as the score would indicate, and not as close as we anticipated that it would be. But I'm 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 definitely in favor of of it working out that way. So, um, Akshaz, before we uh we wrap up this this post game uh episode, do we have any uh any final thoughts from from you before we uh get ready to close things out? Honestly, just you know, it it felt good. That's all I'll say is mm-hmm. it felt good to take a look at all the power rankings coming out, putting the Niners at first. It felt good to read on uh, no injuries, no concerns. Everything's upbeat. Everyone's happy. Everyone's getting better, despite all the things that we mentioned went wrong in that game. Still a twenty-three point victory. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it felt good and. They don't always feel good. So this is true. Something, it's something to cherish. <laughs> that's 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 well said. Uh, that that reminds me of of my favorite bit of news that came out um, after the game was uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Trent Williams was like, can 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 you let the Steelers like get a first down? We can have a little break here because we're getting a little worn out here on the sideline, uh, <laughs> which is just pretty funny. Um, you know that he's just like, wow, this is the defense is, is handling their business so much that we have to keep going out there and playing offense. And it's really exhausting. Um, that, that makes me laugh for sure. All right. Um, well, 
thank you. Um, uh, a good, I, I think, a, a good post-game wrap-up uh, episode to get us started. And hopefully there will be many more of these positive post-game wrap-ups all throughout the season leading up to the end of the year where we just have a big old party right here on the podcast. Just, just you know, just getting ready, prepared emotionally for maybe that to happen. But never know. All right. Uh, well, um, thanks, as always, to those of you uh, listening to this right now for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Please continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis, especially since the season is up and running now. So week to week, we're moving through really quickly, and we are excited to have that back because the offseason gets a little dull after a while. And of course, be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.